1: The Grizzlies are partnering with the Junior NBA to offer a three-on-three Juneteenth Youth Basketball Tournament on Saturday, June eighteenth, two 2022, at the MAM Grizzly Center. At just $25 per team, kids ages 13 and under can compete with their friends while receiving jerseys and other giveaways. Spaces are filling up fast, so visit memgrizyouth.com slash Juneteenth, three v three. For full details and to sign your team up today.
3: Morant with a running start. Ooh, oh, it dunks. Oh, oh, oh my goodness! Oh, oh, oh. It's a tie game in overtime. Gasol.
0: Into it on the floor with Randolph. Hard to tell if there are any punches being thrown under there, but Griffin took exceptions. Adams going long. Moran! He hit it! He hit
1: it! it. it. John Moran gets 70! You gotta be kidding me! Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. My name is Keith Parrish, and I'm joined right now by Sean Coleman. Sean, how's it going, buddy? Doing all right. Keith, long time no talk to. Hope you've been
3: well. Uh, Still wish we were talking about the Grizzlies playing, but it's uh, always fun to talk about the Grizzlies with you.
1: Thanks for having me on. Listen, Sean, we can talk about the Grizzlies playing. I don't care. I mean, I, (laughs) I intended to talk about draft stuff, but I am excited. Uh, at any time to talk about our Memphis Grizzlies, be it last season or looking ahead to next season. yeah, uh, very, very true. I,
3: I'll tell you this, though, just watching the Warriors and the Celtics and, Watching what the Celtics are doing to, you know, be a better matchup against the Warriors than, you know, the Nuggets or the Mavericks do. I'm not saying the Grizzlies are going to be a top five contender next year. I'm saying they have the elements, though, to make it happen in the playoffs.
1: They did better this playoffs uh, go around than I thought they would. So as we watch the finals and we watch the Celtics, who have a superior defense than the Grizzlies do, Mm -hmm. but then seeing how Steph is just ripping them to pieces uh, as we discuss after right now, we're talking on Sunday after game four, you're like, Steph Curry's unstoppable. And then as Grizzlies fans, we're like, we did a better job on Steph. You guys noticed that we did a better job on Steph. And maybe it's just purely random. Like Steph was just a little bit off. There's nothing anyone can do. And I honestly, I think I feel that I think I'm like 70%. That's my opinion. And not like the Grizzlies had, had the horses. Where, where you know we can match up. But then there is 30% of it where I'm like, some of you want to trade Dylan Brooks? Yeah. Some of you want to trade even DeAnthony Melton? Have you not yeah. seen how our wing and guard combination mixed with a Jaron Jackson Jr.? Gave Steph Curry fits, who's currently landing at the NBA Finals. Are you, are you not seeing this, everyone? And in my opinion is this
3: I think the fair thing to acknowledge, Keith, is that with the Warriors this year, I think there's an extra gear that no other team had. Phoenix may have had it. But especially offensively, when Steph, when Steph is cooking, when Poole is cooking, I think there's just an element there that that's hard to beat when it comes to the Warriors. I agree with you. The Celtics have a better overall defense. I think it does a better job of limiting the rest of the players around Steph for the Warriors and the Grizzlies did. But I do agree, and numbers back it up, the Grizzlies have given Steph a tougher time to be able to dominate and to be able to be efficient than other teams have. And so maybe they're one or two players away. But I do think that the Grizzlies, they're further along than people may consider i i agree with you i am one who in the right situation i'm okay with trading dylan brooks but i also do agree defense is what matters in the playoffs especially in matchups and with dylan brooks the grizzlies defense is close to where it needs to be to go against the warriors and perhaps beat them in the future
1: yeah so the problem with doing a solo podcast like i do here on goods and grinds is oftentimes i, I it's just the echo chamber of my own brain I start arguing one position, and then I look into it, and then I get more and more entrenched. And, like, that's where I am right now without someone to push back against me, uh, without, like, on Fast Break Breakfast where, like, John, my co-host, he's he doesn't like watching Dylan Brooks play. And he's a very – John's a very intelligent basketball watcher who's right more often than not, and he's all about it. He's like, let's trade Dylan Brooks. But here, when I, when I look at the numbers, and even Matt Hardlicka wrote a great thing on his Patreon being like, The Grizzlies defense, when Dylan and Jaron is on the court, and this is something, you know, both you and me have pointed out, looking at the lineup data, the Grizzlies are elite when when Jaron and Dylan are on the court together defensively, and that carries over for the entire net rating where you're like, yeah, we stomp people. So again, I, I get, maybe I just get further entrenched without someone to push back, but you say, you know, in the right circumstance, you're, you're open To a move. What is that right circumstance for you right now where you're like, you know what, that's a deal I would do. And maybe does it relate to the draft? Like if I can get up and and get, you know, slide higher in this upcoming NBA draft.
3: Well, and... The NBA draft. I don't necessarily know if the right move is there. I think if you're going to trade a Dylan, you need to trade it more for certainty. You know, the player that I've mentioned, you know, in the 2022 calendar year, that over the past few weeks has kind of been hinted at, perhaps being available, OG Ananobi out of Toronto. I would love to make the move for him. A younger player. You've got multiple years of control for him. I believe that you've got potentially three more. I think the. Third year that's remaining on his contract as a player option. But he's that bigger wing type presence who has shown the ability to shoot the three very well, can arguably guard two through five, maybe even one on defense. A very, very versatile chess piece that we know our coaching staff likes to have. I don't think there's a direct deal there, but if it was a three-team deal where you send a Dylan out, bring an OG in, you're going to have to add assets. That would be the type of move that I would go get. The problem is I don't think Toronto is looking to make that type of move. I think they want to use OG and Anobi to go get a star like a, a DeAndre Ayton or per, perhaps a, a very you know good draft pick in this draft. Um, it would have to be a three-team deal. There's not many deals out there, but an OG and Anobi level player, a young guy with upside would make sense for me.
1: I got you. My my pushback is still. I mean, the things you outline. Toronto's not going to probably do that with what the right. Grizzlies could offer, be willing to offer. And my pushback is always, well, all right, we have OG now. Who's playing? Is it like is it B- Bane at the two, OG at the three, sometimes four. Jared at the four. And if and if OG's playing a four and Jared's at the five, well then who's our three? Is it Zaire Williams? Is he ready to make that leap? And then I'm like, are we better? I I, I don't know. Well, I, I'll say this. I like the versatility, though, because if you, if you go with the yeah. OG, you've got
3: John Bain in the backcourt. And then, depending on matchups, maybe you go with a, a Zy, a, a Zaire or OG, Brandon Clark, and Jaren. Or if you need oh, to go okay. really yeah. athletic, yeah. yeah. Zaire, OG, and Jaren at the three, four, and five. And then you got Brandon Clark off the bench. Yeah. You can go a lot of different ways.
1: You're right. There's no doubt a, a Jaren, Brandon, front court with OG at the three is awesome. That yeah. is, that's fantastic. Uh, that'd be a great option. So, Let's focus on the draft now um, where the Grizzlies have a lot of options and they also, because of their good roster, like they have, I'm leaning now towards as a admitted draft novice. I'm more about upside swings because I like our roster so much where I like the depth pieces that we have under contract. Even, you know, if we keep Dylan, I'm a happy man. If we keep Dylan and DeAnthony, I'm a happy man. If we run it back with essentially the same top eight or nine, not counting Tyus Jones, I'm a pretty happy guy. And so I approach this draft basically looking at upside swings. I'm all about maybe they veer away from getting a guy who's NBA ready, quote unquote, like they did with Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark. Um, But... Obviously, I I I still have a lot of faith in this front office to do the right thing. So, you in previous years have nailed to the T what the Grizzlies uh, would do. And honestly, Sean, you can you can ride on that. I think for a solid twenty years, um, when you nailed exactly like they should go get Killian Tilly, John Conchar, who was the other one. What 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 was your perfect hat trick? Of- it was it was Tilly. Uh, um... Uh,
3: Tillman and
1: Bain. Yeah, you said Bain, Tillman and Tilly. Let's get those guys and you nailed it. Um, or you even said that's who I think they would probably get and you nailed it. So Yeah. Now not to, you know, add the pressure of you hitting a perfect um hitting out of the park exactly again. Who have you circled? Like, have you, have you done the research where you're like, these are the guys that fit the profile and it makes sense. And, uh, with them having 22, 29 and 47, like who are the guys you're circling where you think could be the perfect match in this draft?
3: Yeah. And and so, and I appreciate your kind words. So they kind of threw a curveball last year, right? Because they went with the guy who numbers in no way, shape or form were really favorable in college, but he had pedigree. He had growth. They went the home run. Upside swing last year with Zaire Williams. And now they have multiple ways where their development track shows great promise. Desmond Bain becoming more than he was supposed to be. Zaire showing a promising first year. Um, if they stay at 22, that home run swing that I think makes sense is Usman Diane from. Uh, um, uh, I believe it's France via Australia. Um, The reason why I like him, and I think that he may not be there at 22, but the reason why in that area, I would really go after him is similar to what you have in Zaire. There's loose comparisons there, but if you get a Deanne, you've got another taller wing who has perimeter skills but also has the length to go inside you've got good ball handling with the Yang. you've got the shooting mechanics so the accuracy may not be there you've got some growth when it comes to playmaking and defense but the key for me Keith is that now if you get a D.A. to put with the Zyre Williams you've doubled your chances of developing that t- big 3-4 option at the wing that can contribute on both ends of the court that I really think would be a great compliment to job ja, Bane and Jaren if you can double your ability Ability to have that for the future, I think that should be a focus if it's at 22 or even potentially trading up a few spots like they did when they got Brandon Clark back in 2019.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jang is a guy who seems like most people have him mocked off the board before 20, even before, you know, like it seems like he's going in, the, in that mid-teens yeah. area. I like the idea of that's like an upside play sort of guy, a developmental project. I'm all about, when I'm looking at this and I'm reading other draft experts' opinions on these prospects, it's it's the guys with size and it's like the dribble, pass, shoot people. The people yeah. who have multiple skill sets who can attack in a lot of different ways. And even though I, I've been veering away from drafting from need like we can get into that in a second. Where I'm particularly like, I don't care if they draft a center. I don't care if they draft a point guard. You know, for me, it's like no, 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 no. Get. I don't want to be too close-minded, but it's like get someone who's six-six or or bigger. Yeah. Who who can dribble and do these things? That's why Jang is incredibly enticing. Another guy who is like I think maybe closer into where being available at 22 is the Nikola Or maybe I'm just again. Easily persuaded by height and a guy who, who could fit in. Like, is that a guy that you're looking at? Like, you know, if he's available? Yeah. It, it, it,
3: it Jovic is a, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really looked at him that much because I, I would be surprised if the Grizzlies would go with yet another European type talent. I, I, I guess DeAng would be the same thing. You've got an international type talent with Jovic. I guess it can make sense, but I don't necessarily. He doesn't stand out to me to have the perimeter-type impact, which I think the Grizzlies should really go after in a bigger-type wing. I think that Jovic may be more closer to a Santi Aldama, kind of a long-term project, and you've already got him on the roster. I really think that I would go with a Jovic seems to be more to be like an Aldama, whereas a Diang may be closer to a Zaire Williams. That's probably why a D'Ang is higher than yeah. a, a Jovic. So Jovic hasn't really struck me as really being that enticing. If they go with him, you've got the size combination there with some guard skills that definitely is, you know, not something you're going to necessarily be disappointed in. But if a Deang were not to be there, I think that there are some other players who maybe you know a little bit more about that could make sense, more of those wing type, like a Marjon Beauchamp or a Wendell Moore or someone like that. So I wouldn't necessarily be disappointed. I just think that there are some other options that may offer a bit more certainty. And plus, you've already got Aldama as that size project on your roster.
1: So you mentioned a couple of names there. Uh, Beauchamp sounds really interesting to me as far as a wing playing in the G League. And again, super athlete, upside type player. Wendell Moore, we know he's worked out for the Grizzlies already. Mm -hmm. My impression, again, based on the things I've read, possibly a lower ceiling player but maybe possibly ready to contribute uh he, and also he has that duke pedigree it seems like yeah. uh, it seems like the christmas front office has uh never shied away from adding guys from duke and he's supposed to like a, sm- a small forward type um are there any other like targets where you're thinking personally this is who i hope L- let's say we're assuming Osman jang's off the board um, anybody else that you project uh, or, or you think might be available that you're really hoping that you'd be pretty happy if they got?
3: I mean, it, like I say, at 22, i name the guys that I really like. Um, you know, a, a, another one at 22 or 29 who, I'll be honest with you, I know there's a lot of, of negativity. But, again, we talked about Zaire Williams last year. Was he a bit of a reach with with some of the negativity we saw? Patrick Baldwin Jr., I sure. don't necessarily think is that bad of a way to go. That is more of a the Grizzlies, we know they always need shooting. The Grizzlies we know are one of the best development tracks in the NBA right now. Is it there for them to be able to find it with Patrick Baldwin, junior junior to take that chance? I know there's a lot of things that say that they shouldn't, but to your point with our roster as young and deep and talented as it is. Why not go for that home one pick one more time, a Patrick Baldwin, junior again, fitting that tall three, four wing with shooting upside. I don't mind that it kind of like a yo, I don't mind that play at all either.
1: Yeah. So my, uh, my elevator pitch understanding of Baldwin is, uh, you know, his his draft stock is plummeting. Uh, a year ago he was viewed much higher he's a big tall austin day sized uh, shooter yeah. not to yeah. put that stink on him uh but then like again at the at the combine i think his measurables some of them were a little lacking no yeah. no no uh, no 20. leaping ability but that's yeah. one of those things where like if he's a big guy who can shoot i'm intrigued here's a here's a here's a name i've seen you tell me why we shouldn't want him this this guy based on mock drafts i've seen should possibly be available at 29. Um, Jake LaRavia Mm -hmm. from Wake Forest. He looks perfect for me. He looks like a guy. He's got size. um, He can defend some. Looks like a knockdown shooter. And this may be where I'm pigeonholing myself, where I'm focused on power forwards where I like, uh, again, maybe this is, this is a fault of mine, where I say we have Zaire, we have Dylan, we have Desmond, we have Melton. I'm I'm happy for those minutes to be taken there, and I'm now thinking more of like who can fit in the front court. This LaRavia guy is just a shooter, NBA-ready skill set, and I don't know what happens with Steven Adams. I mean, possibly he could be a, a trade chip for bringing in some upside guys. LaRavia looks ready to play, but also like, I'm not going to say he can't develop into something more. Like, wh- have you seen him? And can, can you slow down my enthusiasm for like, that's like for number 29? Oh, yeah. Give me him all day.
3: And, and the thing about it is, is that at 29, that's, you know, I had mentioned a, a Wendell Moore that potentially is in that same line because. A player that we've not discussed on the Grizzlies that it seems as if may be the least likely to be back is Kyle Anderson. But Mm -hmm. you cannot when we're talking about defense, when we're talking about intelligence, when we're talking about a guy that you can trust when he's on the court can constantly make positive plays, how much are you willing to pay Kyle Anderson to be that guy? Is it 10 to $12 Do you really think you can afford that with more of your core being expensive? So if Kyle Anderson walks, Jake Laravia is a perfect guy to come in. He's not going to be Kyle Anderson in year one, but can he with the, sh- with the potential higher shooting upside that Anderson, add that passing, add that intellect, add that defense. And now you've got not necessarily a Kyle Anderson clone, but a similar type of talent on a cheap contract. If the Grizzlies value that type of player, but don't necessarily want to p- play the Kyle Anderson price tag, you could do a lot worse than the Ravia to come in and be that type of guy who instantly can get minutes. And we know the Grizzlies are going to have minutes available next year.
1: Yeah. So a couple of guys who... Again, I don't. I haven't ranked my prospects because I'm, I'm. I feel that's offensive to people who actually know what they're talking about and do this. But a couple <laughs> of guys that I have my eye on that project to go much higher in the draft in 22, but I've seen fall in various mock drafts. Two guys, not similar skill set, but two guys where I'm like, I would do cartwheels. I actually that's a lot. I cannot do a cartwheel. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jalen Williams, the wing from uh, Santa Clara, uh-huh. Santa Clara, who's been again like. He's shooting up draft boards. He, he's the opposite of Patrick Baldwin, where like, he seems like yeah. he's going higher. Jalen Williams seems incredible if he was available at 22. And also, Tari Eason, and I don't know if I'm saying his first name right, the guy from LSU, who's like this athletic forward guy with incredible steel numbers. I honestly, I don't normally say I wish we still had Chris Wallace around, but if we had Chris Wallace here, I would feel confident we would get him. Like yeah. he would not an LSU athlete like that would not slide past Chris Wallace. Um, these guys seem like dream fits to me. What are what are possible flaws? I, I'll go a different way. Uh, like maybe I know what, we we spoke briefly in a direct messaging. Like maybe you weren't as excited about Tari Eason. To me, he seems just like an incredible prospect. And again, I see him falling to like twenty nine on some of these draft boards, and I'm like I'm honestly confused there. Like, what what are your thoughts on those guys and what could be the flaws?
3: Well, for Tari Eason, the thing that stands out to me is that, you know, you've got the, the you know, we talk about the shooting upside potentially of, of a 3-4 big wing, but with Tari Eason, it's a bit of the opposite. You've got immense defensive upside with him at that 3-4, and that's very, very valuable. You know, we, we see, I'm not saying this is necessarily the way he would go, but we see an Andrew Wiggins type player in Golden State who's making an impact, you can use him in different ways defensively, is rebounding, is standing out, things such as that. That type of talent, that, that type of impact from Tari Eason, where he can defend multiple positions on the on the perimeter as well as being a guy flying around on defense, can be a finisher at the rim. You know, another player that maybe not necessarily is tall, but plays like that is Kendall Brown out of Baylor. Mm-hmm. But yeah. with Tari Eason and Kendall Brown both, the thing that stands out to me is the shooting upside there. I think that that's something that needs to be there for the Grizzlies to trade up for a guy personally. Wouldn't necessarily be disappointed by getting Tari Eason because there's a lot of immense talent. There's a lot of raw ability. And then with Jalen Williams, you know, the, the thing that stands out to me it is the track record. And, and I get that these guys are – jumping up the draft boards. But in my opinion, when you have a less talented draft overall than you usually do, and you see these guys jumping up because you just don't have a lot of standouts after maybe number 10, Jalen Williams, to me, he's the body type. There's plenty of smart play around him. There's some efficiency there as well. I just don't know if he does it for me personally, like other guys do that have longer track records or that have pedigrees. I probably would go with the longer track record. I would probably go with the pedigree more than I necessarily would. I'm not going to call him a one-year wonder, but more than I would a guy who really came on as of late. I think Jalen Williams may be more of a product of how, you know, less talented this draft is than most drafts, than yeah. him truly being a, a dark horse upside significant talent in the NBA.
1: Yeah. So for, for me on Williams, it is, maybe I've just gotten carried away with the measure, with the measurables and then like the hype of like his highlight reel is one of the, like the, the best ones we are like, Oh my God, goodness and so like part of me thinks when i'm drafting for the grizzlies when you don't have a clear need and i just want to take best available i'm like in two years like which one of these guys is the i don't know the paul george or the Kawhi or the guy are like oh now we have even the next upside star even if it is like whatever a five percent chance a ten percent chance of that happening um maybe some lower um some lower ceiling or upside play guys who who could make a lot of sense are like these combo guards, point guards, and centers who might be available. Um, I know you've written about like a guy like like Kennedy Chandler. Um, I'm going to get your opinion on him uh, right after this short break. Grizz Nation, download the All Access All in One Grizzlies mobile app now featuring mobile wallets for contactless payment in FedEx Forum. Get three experiences with one app, including a fresh Grizzlies look and feel, along with access to FedEx Forum events and Brine City Media news and notes on all things Grizzlies, MBA, and more. From podcasts to purchasing tickets, the new Grizzlies app has it all. Upgrade your experience and download the Grizzlies app today at the App Store and Google Play. Alright, so another way that Grizzlies could go, if it isn't just a pure upside play, is they could draft and say, hey listen, we need a, like if Tyus Jones theoretically walks, or if we say, hey, you know, we, we need a big here, there's plenty of options available, what, what's your opinion on one, drafting a little bit maybe more for need, or just taking a guy that you wrote about like Kennedy Chandler uh, at 22 or at 29?
3: Well, it becomes interesting because, you know, we t- you talk about two years from now, right, Keith? And and you've got guys, we've talked about Dylan Brooks, we've talked about Tyus Jones, we've talked about um, Kyle Anderson. What about a Steven Adams? What about a Brandon Clark? Do you extend those guys or potentially use them as trades, or are they too expensive to extend This is the type of draft at 22 and 29 where there are some, are some intriguing players. You let a Kyle Anderson walk, maybe Jake LaRavia comes in as the guy that you want. If Tyus Jones is too expensive, why not go get a Kennedy Chandler, who in my opinion, even though he's young as he is, he can step in and for 10 or 12 minutes a night, lead your offense. You've got the connection with jaw. You've got some upside with him. He can make some sense. A guy used to be talked about power forwards. If Brandon Clark is not in your long-term plans, he would be in mine. But if not, there's a player out of uh, uh, Ohio state this year named EJ Liddell, who I think is a very, very good perimeter post guy shot the three very well.
1: Can I, can I tell Go you, Sean, ahead. I am all on board with EJ Liddell. That guy yeah. looks <laughs> amazing. I mean, first of all, to be clear, and I've spelled it out, I've enunciated this very clearly uh, pay Brandon Clark. My mental, sca- my mental view of the Grizzlies right now is if the owner is willing to pay him, pay everybody. Because yeah. you don't have to, I'm not talking about like giving max contracts to everybody. Like you can have multiple salary slots filled just honestly by paying everybody. Like, does Tyus Jones want $10 million? Well, if we're not going to be a free agent player, we'll just pay him. If you yeah. know he fits, you can, you can move him later. If you can get Brandon Clark for less than $15 million a year, and that might be a huge number to a lot of people. they like, $15 million for Brandon Clark? I'm just saying, look at backup six men who are okay. Like, if Montrezl Harrell made 13 last year, yeah. if that's just the rate and the salary cap's going up, just pay the guys. Worry about it later. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. Or maybe it is here nor there. But, like, even if you keep Brandon Clark, this Liddell guy, he looks like a shot-blocking menace, a six-seven guy who could honestly, like, why not? Why couldn't? Again, I've I've watched so little. I feel like I have to keep throwing out that disclaimer. <laughs> I, I like I know so little, but in the bits I've read about him and in the clips I've seen, where I'm like, well, why can't he be a small ball five, all like Grant Williams, you know, like a very small ball five, but then it also fits alongside uh, Jaron or Brandon. I'm thoroughly enamored with Liddell so sorry I had to throw all that in uh but, but keep going well like you, you think he also maybe could be a good option at 22 yeah and that's that's my whole point
3: point is that, you know, the Grizzlies, again, I go back to the point, Keith, you say pay everybody, which, you know, I'm fine with, but the point is is that everybody's going to start getting more expensive. Jaren's yep. going to start next yep. year, after that, Desmond after that. So complimenting paying everybody is finding good value on these four-year rookie contracts. And so if you can't pay everybody, if a Tyus or a Kyle or a, you know, even a Brandon walks a year from now, you've got sensible guys who you can draft from a need perspective, but can still give you upside. So a Kennedy Chandler at number 20 I think he's the type of guy that can step in. Shooting is a bit of a question for him, but you've got good fast break potential. You've got good turnover-causing potential. He fits right in with what the Grizzlies do. And then if we want to go more upside at that 29 spot, if you want to talk about a guy that falls, I don't necessarily think he falls at 29, but two upside swings that I would show kind of as a combo guard a perimeter-type player, Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska, as well as Jaden Hardy, who comes with a shot-making pedigree. I think those are a couple of upside plays at 29. But to your point, again, we, we just go back to there's so many different ways the Grizzlies can go if they were to stay at 22 to 29, that is.
1: Yeah. So my thought on and maybe again, I'm limiting myself. My thought on like a Kennedy Chandler or another point guard, like I wonder, I, I look at it as like, can this guy play with Jaw? Like, do you think that, Kennedy Chandler can yes. play at the same time as Jaw?
3: No, I don't think that that potential was there. I don't think the potential was there even to the point that you saw with Tyus Jones. I know that that's something that, I think Taylor Jenkins went to that when he really wanted to try to limit the turnovers. He really wanted to try to slow down and, and and you know, ball protection was a big focus of his. I don't think you get that with Candy Chandler right now because with Tyus Jones, at the very least, you had the shooting aspect. I don't think there's a lot of point guards in this draft where you have a shooting aspect. I don't think Ty Ty Washington's going to be there at 22. I don't think a Gene Montero or a Candy Chandler offer that upside. So, in terms of, you know, potentially a guy who could play with Jaw, maybe a Dalen Terry out of Arizona could eventually do that. That's
1: the name I was about to say he's supposedly a yeah. tall glue guy yeah. type point guard. like all right I, I like that as a ball handler alongside jaw but i think when it comes to the point guards the potential to play
3: jaw again with jaw question i think that's answered two to three years from now rather than there being a guy who could do it right now
1: yeah so part of me where i, I haven't really considered a lot of the point guards because of again i don't like andrew nib like get out of my face like i don't yeah, if he's there at 47, okay. But, like, I, again, I want to go upside. I don't want to draft an yeah. old floor general. Um, But but then, again, a pushback is, if like, the Ty Ty Washington or some of the other smaller combo guards, part of me looks at the history of the draft recently, and, like, the Sixers got Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. And I see what they have, and I say, Lord, why not me? Like, yeah. well, you know, like, like, if I can get that at 22, or even, like, Emmanuel Quickly, who is not yeah. nearly as good as Tyrese Maxey, but, like... You look at the Grizzlies roster and you say, hey, if you can get a Tyrese Maxey or even an Emmanuel quickly, if you know you're getting that at 22, 29, maybe I shouldn't close myself off to point guards. Maybe I could say that is a good value. And then when you consider the salary stuff, you consider, hey, if we get this guy on a rookie deal in the 20s for four years as a change of pace, just score off the bench for a team that maybe could use a little punch in in like the half court, you know, like then I'm like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be as close minded and just focus on the big wings and I should say, hey, you know what? Guards are good, too.
3: Yeah, and if the Grizzlies have that type of feeling on, on a combo guard type, go with it. But I'll just tell you, see that the, even the thing with Maxi though is that you just kind of felt that in that 2020 draft there was really no reason why Maxi felt like he did. Kind of like Brandon Clark in the 2019 draft. In this draft, to be honest with you, Keith, I, I don't necessarily want to say that it you, the guy you could take at 20 could easily be taken at 40 on another team's draft board. I don't think it's that they're all that similar. But I do think there's less separation in that middle part. Of the draft 20 through 40 in this draft than we've seen in recent drafts, even 2020. I think that you're probably going to see a few guys perhaps fall, but I think it's going to be harder to predict hey, this guy has really, really good potential to be an instant sleeper from this draft. I think it's going to be hard to predict in this draft than even it was in the 2020 draft.
1: Well, so one of the things about the Grizzlies, you know, like having the 47th pick, if you look at recent draft history, there are a lot of hits in the second round, but they're usually a little bit higher in the second round. It seems like that 20 to 40 spot in the past five drafts, you're just like, oh, that guy was good. This guy's good. This guy's good. You have a bunch of guys who end up playing. If it's just like Herb Jones from last year or like Jalen Brunson, or just a bunch of just random guys who are like their NBA rotation level. So like, I feel like it's maybe even likely the Grizzlies trade up just to move up from 47, a little bit higher. But then speaking to what you said about how, There's just you could see a guy go at 20 or 40. I I do feel like there's a lot of names that make sense for the Grizzlies, whether it's projects or centers, where it's like you you think about last year where maybe it was a reach to get Santi Aldama at 30, where I could wonder like if the Grizzlies, even if they trade up or if like even if they stick at 29, if they like you know, like the athlete from Memphis, uh, Josh is it Minot. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you're like, oh, they just they just went and got him. Like, that's because that's that's who they wanted. And I feel like there's a bunch of those guys. Um, I keep seeing the center from Auburn, uh, Walker Kessler. Uh, yeah. Where, like, I see him mocked at 20, and I see him mocked at 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and It's just like, yeah, I don't know. So, like, maybe there's something to be said for the Grizzlies, just if they've identified this athletic target or even, you know, like, they're, they're just going to do it at 29 or maybe trade up and get it in the second round.
3: Yeah, and, and when you get into that second round, I think that there's going to – I think in the second round, especially in a draft like this, you're going to see, to your point, you're going to see some teams have a certain guy at 32, 33, and then that same guy's at 46, 47 on another team's draft board. If I'm the Grizzlies, I probably go with the skill set that you like, that you feel you can develop at a place of need. And for me, again, that goes that big wing. You know, I, I, Josh Josh Minot stands out to me. he If he's on the board, I would take him in a heartbeat without any type of question. I think there's enough athleticism. I think there's enough he adds value in so many different areas type potential with him that the Grizzlies like. So that's the type of guy that I would think they would go after. I probably would go with that bigger type of talent because we've seen the Grizzlies when they drafted late, they seem to value size. Then their second draft picks in many drafts, they've gotten um, um, Clark, they've gotten Tillman, they've gotten Aldama, all front court type players. You've got Clark and Adams, who are both one year away from being either restricted or unrestricted free agent, perhaps that's where the Grizzlies make their play for size in this draft. Though there are trade scenarios up from twenty-two where I wouldn't mind the Grizzlies going size as well if they wanted to do that. So,
1: like, what what would what would those trades be? We can wrap up with that. Like, if you are looking to possibly package, I, you know, I did an episode trying to specifically come up with, with trade packages, and honestly, the parameters I gave myself was was like, don't trade away dylan and don't trade away melton i think if you want to you know then depending on like how interested other teams are maybe you could move up but it might be hard to move up in this draft because you have other teams that have slightly better avenues to move up i think like the spurs could easily move up because they have what the 20 and 25 they have also like the timberwolves have maybe multiple second round picks they can move up the thunder of course have a ton of picks so it might be a little bit hard but like if you were to if you were to trade up like, who would you be targeting and what would that package look like?
3: Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to define a package because I just, I, I you know, I, I've looked multiple times, looked before we talk. A guy that I'm enamored with is AJ Griffin out of Duke. Like, oh, of his gotcha. injuries- Yeah if his injury history were to put him in that 10 to 13 spot, um, you know, where you've got the um, wizards and you've got the Knicks and and you've got the uh, um, Hornets, I would love to make that happen. Um, I just don't know if it does. Um, If the Grizzlies saw that that could be a possibility, something that I would really look at is if the Hornets are just with now with Kenny Atkinson as their coach, if they were to be getting the push for Michael Jordan to really try to move forward and they wanted an established center, Do you use a Steven Adams, maybe another first, and you try to move up to that 13th spot? Do you take on a Gordon Hayward, perhaps, and some type of deal? Maybe a Kelly Oubre to give you some shooting upside in exchange for um, Steven Adams at the NBA level. But if you can move up to 13, for instance, that puts you in a spot to maybe be in play for an A.J. Griffin. Another guy that I love is Memphis' Jalen Duran. I do like Mark Williams as well. You've got the ability to be able to get either the need of the big wing with shooting upside and A.J. Griffin, or that long-term centerpiece that could be a chess piece with Jaron and Brandon and Durant and Mark Williams, I would be okay with that. I'd be perfectly fine with it. You're getting one of the better players at the draft with the upside at a place of need. So something like that with Charlotte, I think Charlotte is the most sensible trade-up candidate, and I think that you have an asset that could interest him in Stephen Adams.
1: Yeah, I will be honestly disappointed if the Hornets don't make a trade in the next two weeks. I mean, not yeah. just not just with the Grizzlies. I just mean with anybody. Like they're 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 primed for it. They have Kelly Oubre, who they don't really need that much expiring deal. They have the big Gordon Hayward contract, and possibly everyone thinks they want to lessen their their salary load as they look to re-sign miles bridges then they had the yeah. 13th and 15th picks and we also think like they're kind of close to being good one of yeah. the issues with the grizzlies trading with them is like i think a lot of grizzlies fans were saying hey we'll take the 22 and 29 and move up where it's like well the hornets already have two first round picks better than ours and they don't want three yeah. first round picks so like that makes yeah. it harder if they do have that interest in stephen adams then it gets very very interesting where you're like all yeah. right like 22 and Steven Adams for 15 or maybe 13, which is literally the exact same trade the Grizzlies made last summer.
3: They've already done it. We're
1: "We're trading our starting center and, and this first round pick to move up. And like, I don't know how the Hornets as a franchise or organization view that Hayward deal. It's not like a negative deal because he's good. He's, he's great when healthy, but there's just huge, there's huge concerns about his health, and it's a massive contract. And it might, maybe it does make sense where the Grizzlies are like, Steven Adams, you were incredible, and you were a big part of us winning fifty six games. But maybe we do have a bigger upside if we can get your guy, uh, Griffin, you know, from Duke, and or if it is, we can go get one of those centers, you know, Jalen Duren or Mark Williams. Like, I could kind of see it, although like, it, it feels less likely. I don't think it's a Jonas Valchuna situation where there were some of us people being like, you know what? You don't need spontaneous is trading wheels. We need to get rid of the training wheels. Uh, Agreed. I think Steven Adams is more of like, no, this guy's good. This guy guy plays the right way. This guy enables all the things we want to do. I mean, maybe again, there's a forward-thinking aspect of just, hey, upside. If we can get a better center and if we can peak, I don't know. If there's a higher peak with someone else, But again, my pushback is I'm just, again, now talking with myself, arguing with myself as you patiently listen. Uh, It's like, we're already good. We're we're already a 56-win team. We're at the precipice of championship contention. You know, does a tiny step back make sense here?
3: It makes perfect sense. And the other reason why I think that it could make sense, I know that Parker Fleming over at uh, Grizzly Bear Blues had mentioned this a few times. Um, But I think that the idea is is that this Grizzlies team knows that they can navigate the regular season to be in the playoffs. And at the end of the day, you know in the playoffs, the main thing to consider is – are you healthy and are you clicking and that's what really stands out and to me if you were to swap a Stephen Adams for a Gordon Hayward at the NBA level of this deal I think one of the things that may make sense is that even if you don't have a Gordon Hayward for the regular season a significant chunk of the regular season if you can have a healthy Gordon Hayward for the playoffs does he potentially add more value in the playoffs than a Stephen Adams I think that's a fair question to ask though Stephen Adams was valuable against the Warriors and then by doing that have you also got on a cheap contract now another big body? to put with Jaron and Brandon that could be valuable in future playoffs. If a Steven Adams type move can lead to that type of equation, do it. But to your point, if it's not that good and it's less likely that it is going to be that valuable of a scenario, just keep what you've got in Steven Adams and ride with it. I think that at the end of the day, the Grizzlies probably come up with two picks, an upside play and a guy that could probably come right in and play maybe 12 to 15 minutes his first year. I think that's where they come from the draft. I don't necessarily know what type of true trades are there for NBA value purposes for the Grizzlies to get a significant established piece already. At the end of the day, I I think the Grizzlies take two picks and upside swing and the guy can step in right away from this draft, Keith.
1: I'm also thinking about like the, uh, the problems with our theoretical trades with Charlotte. It's like, you're telling me if they like, they, they're a clear, obvious landing spot for one of the center prospects in the draft. You're like, Correct. well, they're like, well, why don't, we're just going to draft this guy. Like we're, like, yeah. we're good. Uh- and then also you'd like, if, if, uh, if AJ Griffin falls a little bit, you think they're going to pass up a Duke? forward yeah. you know like again the, that probably pokes holes in our uh, our little theories well anyway sean man such a pleasure talking with you as always um thanks for uh giving me your draft expertise do you have a do you have your piece coming out where you officially make your uh this is my prediction i've been right before i'll probably be right this time as well
3: <laughs> well I, I, i'm doing i did a piece on uh, kennedy chandler got another draft uh, prospect piece coming up here soon and then i'll be starting on the uh, the grizzlies a uh, piece uh you know the uh this From what the Grizzlies have done in the past, here's what they did last year. The guy that I that I really wanted was uh, was Franz Wagner um, from
1: Michigan, and and I think that been so good, Sean.
3: (laughs) Well, and and I think that that's what stands. Out, I wonder if the Grizzlies do that again. Where they, you know, I think they traded up to ten last year to get whoever fell from the Kaminga Giddy, that bigger wing type group, and it was just Zaire Williams who did. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I think Patrick Baldwin could be that Zaire Williams. You don't know a lot about him; he has questionable um past, but pedigree. And then there's plenty of players who can statistically add up. But I'll I'll be working on that piece soon. It's, it's probably one of my favorite pieces of all of all that I do during the year. Thank you for the kind words. Keith. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, the word on the street last year was was it was giddy. The Grizzlies yeah. th- thought they were gonna get giddy, but then giddy uh, went way higher. And then uh, you know, again, some people claiming they were scrambling a little bit with Zaire. Although we're we're still kind of happy. We're happy with Zaire right now. Uh, you know, yeah. he said nothing to like slow I down say- enthusiasm.
3: I think they traded up to ten with the group in mind, and they were able to take away one of the players that they got. I'm surprised they went with him over Moses Moody, but perhaps Zaire has a higher upside, especially in the Grizzlies' development system. Well, also
1: we have we didn't know Desmond Bain was going to be an All Star. I mean,
3: I did. Maybe, maybe
1: I'm I'm saying we, as the outsiders, didn't know, and so we don't even need Moses Correct. Moody anyway. Sean, huh? Thanks a bunch. Look forward to the next time. Yes,
3: sir.
0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause.